Welcome to Disjointed. Our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's the constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. And I'm your host, Jeff Sample, and you're tuning in for another episode. I am joined today by Sam Hamilton. Sam, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to sit down with a leading electrical contractor. You guys have been very slippery, so I'm excited that that you finally allowed me to sit you down and have this conversation. So for people who don't know you, give us a little background, let everybody know who you are and, and, uh, and what they can in, expect in this episode. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jeff. Uh, I'm Sam Hamilton. I work for Anchor Electric. I've been here for over 11 years. I am the director of our VDC and prefabrication shop. And my background, I actually went to college for architecture and graduated and realized uh, I like the construction side a little better. And so this is where I landed. I seem to fit in a little better on on the on the dark side so um that's me in a nutshell well it's it's great because we've had a few on the show i've had a few people that are are former architects that have found their way into other areas it's just a it's a nice skill to have but gives you some flexibility to move around so um recovering architect Recovering architect. That's a, um, Paul said that, uh, in, in one of the early episodes, he said, you know, uh, I'm Paul Doherty and I'm a recovering, uh, architect admitting it's the first step. Right. So a little ode to Paul there, um, in the early episodes before we jump into the episode though, Encore's got some cool things coming out. So I want you to give them a little plug. You got something going in a, in a week here, right? Or a couple weeks here. Yeah, we do. We're really excited. We were in a approximately 36,000 square foot shop over in Inglewood, and we just outgrew it. And we really want the opportunity um, to grow the shop, to to take on more projects and to really honestly just serve our, our craftsmen better with more capabilities. So we just recently moved in uh, to a 70,000 square foot shop. Uh, in Aurora. And uh, it's, it's really exciting. It's been a little crazy, but uh, super exciting. We're doing a a ribbon cutting April 7th here and uh, looking forward to that and kind of getting the opportunity to show off some of our, our skills and uh, our new facilities. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. It's awesome to see. And, and, you know, we talked about this pre-show, but, um, your CIO, Jeff Cannon, I go way back. Your original facility was right across from uh, the warehouse of Gallegos where I got my start. Jeff was, you know, the shoulder I cried on early on in my career and and have always appreciated Encore. In fact, if you've heard me speak to anyone listening and heard me talk about somebody walking me around a fab facility and really getting me to understand it, it was Jeff Can. He he walked me through that facility. So it's really cool to see you guys grow. And, you know, we always love to highlight my Denver, my Colorado folks that are, that are pushing the envelope. So I'm excited to have you on, but everybody who's tuning in knows that here at Disjointed, we have those difficult conversations. And so I want to kick it off with, you know, as a leading trade contractor, as, as someone, you know, that's 
heavily involved in these new delivery methods that's building out a facility to really support the craftsmen that are pushing the industry into this, if you want to call it industrialized construction or whatever you want to call it, what are the problems you're facing? And, and what's really got, you know, Sam going that would want to come on here and talk about it. <laughs> the list is long. Um, there's all kinds of things that get me fired up, but, um, I guess if you went in a direction, when you think about our shop, one of the things that are having a large facility like this uh, gives us the ability to do is to have all of our support services under one roof, or at least um, our VDC, our total station, our prefab, um, our, you know, our assemblers, our tools, uh, everyone lives here together. So uh, I always say BIM, fab, build. And that's kind of my motto of what that process looks like. So Having everybody here lets us bring in our foremen and our superintendents that are maybe kicking off a project. And then they have all their resources to help them figure out where we want to start, what we want to prefab, how far we want to take the modeling, you know, what what all goes into that. And I think that's the, the big thing, having the shop and, and taking advantage of that. But the, the struggle comes in, of course, when you get into construction and and making sure that we're having the right conversations and sometimes difficult conversations. Really pushing these projects so that, you know, I think everyone likes to talk about um, collaboration. That's a cool thing to collaborate. But I, I often see a, definitely a frustration where we're going to collaborate, we're going to work together, turns into we're just going to email back and forth. And we don't sit in the rooms together and have the, the real slash difficult conversations that need to be had and how we really um, help the owners of these projects and give our craftsmen what they need to make them as fast and efficient as they possibly can on the projects. You hit on something there because it's come up consistently over the show is that, you know, there's this idea that modern delivery methods, IPD, design, build, whatever it might be, is these kumbaya situations where we're we're just going to go in and hug and love each other and everything's going to work out. And it's like, no, that's actually not how collaboration works. It, it, it's a much more difficult process. And uh, I remember Tahira Ali in one of the early shows told me, Jeff, you keep saying difficult conversations. I want you to say difficult productive conversations. Like there's this misnomer that being at odds is necessarily a bad thing. It's not. And the, but we, we, you know, you hear the collaboration term and it's like, Ooh, we're supposed to just agree. Well, if we agreed, you and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation, right? We'd, we'd have it solved. So Maybe. what are some of the specifics that are really getting in the way? I think for us, it's the decision-making abilities on the whole teams it's everybody's responsibility and it starts to really hinder our projects waiting for information and waiting for decisions and then even worse than you live in this kind of weird world of fear where it's still going 100 miles an hour but you're on a wing and a prayer that nothing changes and that you're going in the right direction, Mach 9 speed. So 
um, getting the right information earlier, getting decisions made. And, and I think more importantly, that's where the having the difficult conversations come in, right? To, to not just be bobbleheads and nod our head and say, yes, owner, this is what we will do for you. But to say, hey, look, like it really doesn't make sense in the situation and it's going to cost you this, you know, if we could change it or get out ahead of it, we could really save in multiple places and, and to be more honest versus just being, just saying yes to everything. You you hit on a couple things there. It's uh, I think the the analogy is uh, rebuilding the plane while you're flying it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not very fun and it's well it's scary. Um, yeah. And this episode is not out yet um, that I'm going to refer to because I actually just recorded it. But you know Charlie Dunn from DPR talked about it where like we're letting compression happen late in the field because of a lack of ability to have that compression in the early stages, right? We're wasting time in contracts. We're wasting time in nodding our heads. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Like, Hey, we're pushing it. We're nodding our heads and pushing it down the road. And then our field is ending up catching the brunt of it. Yeah. <clears throat> At the end of the day, all we're doing is slowing them down and, and causing them more grief and stress trying to work around us. And it's, it's really tough. And I think a lot of it lies on us and, there's so many things, you know, there's there's a lot of good that comes out of um, some of the concepts of IPD, right? But there's a there's a lot of things out there that are, it's a great concept, it's just poorly executed. <clears throat> Until we can get, <clears throat> excuse me, where we can all sit in that room and have that really honest conversation of what makes sense and what doesn't, um, I, it's, it's a struggle. It's yeah. definitely a struggle in a fab shop. Uh, it's, I mean, it's got to be because, I mean fueling the fab and having things be at least more repeatable. I don't want to say, you know, exactly repeatable because we all know there's a, there's like we talked about before show and there's a, some nuance to that, but ultimately it has to be an ability to be more, uh, manufactured, so to speak. And our, it's like construction manufacturing or uh, somebody call it constructuring, you know? Um, but the honest conversation is, it, people get their feelings hurt in this and you're not talking about, Hey, like you're dumb. You're just saying, you don't know what I know. Right. Is that what I'm hearing is like, it's, it's, we got to get in that room and just be like, Hey designer, you don't know what I know. And, and I don't know what you know. Cause I don't know, you know, maybe uh, early on I had, you know, John Diffenderfer on who really talked about, um, wanting to go and learn like how people really learn better, how kids can learn better and how they can architect things for better learning. Well, that's not something you're necessarily going to go research. You're going to research how electrical and how fab and how that can be done better. How do we get across? How do we get that honesty across and stop getting our feelings hurt? I think the the biggest thing is to get out of our silos. <clears throat> Everyone likes to think, like I said, we're collaborating, but so often um, it's the, the beach ball concept where if we're all sitting there in a circle and there's a beach ball in the middle of us, we all have a different perspective. And I think it's green and you think it's red and Jim John thinks it's blue. You know, it depends on how you're looking at it. And we all get so tunnel visioned because we aren't truly collaborating and spending the time together to understand what the, um, you know, what the expertise and the the pitfalls of each other are 
we just assume and we check the box and we just keep going and we don't really understand what each other is doing and how we can truly work together to just be a, a stronger team and move the whole thing forward versus everyone living in their own silo, doing their own thing and then praying it comes out right at the end of the day. <laughs> or just forcing the field to figure it out at the end and yeah. like, ah, just slap it together. It'll work. Uh, and that's just It'll verify. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and I like the experts in pitfalls because it's, again, it's leaning on, um, you know, we all, we talk about waste in the business. Um, there's a lot of waste just because we're checking boxes. I mean, how many times has a, a conversation been the solution that maybe was weeks of email and back and forth when it's just like, hey, let's just talk about this and and go. So what are some of the pitfalls that really affect electrical contractors? I mean, I want to focus this in on you guys a little bit where, you know, somebody, maybe a designer, maybe it's a general, I don't, I don't know, anybody in the chain doesn't realize the pitfalls of their decisions. Everybody. <laughs> can we, can we all own some of that? I think. Um, well, right now it's material, but that's a little out of our control. When you say material, you mean supply chain right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the big struggle. But even, you know, that just plays in everything else. If, if we've got, the that obvious piece of it that's slowing us down and hindering the process then then i think we really need to step up our game everywhere else to try to help compensate for that right because it's kind of out of our control at this point so how do we do that i think getting involved earlier and setting really clear expectations for everybody for the owner for the general contractor, not being afraid to say, hey, I need this. This is what I really need from you in order to help make us successful. Yeah, I'm, you hear it a lot where it's like collaboration and, and transparency. And it's like, I need you to understand that I need your decisions now because my lead time is this. I'm not saying you can't have it. I'm saying you clearly need to understand that you need to take this, this now, and this decision has to stick um, so that we can trust that we're going to go, go ahead and source this and get this moving to meet your timelines. But man, that doesn't seem to happen all the time. No, you know, it'd be amazing. And I would love to every project we start to take an owner, an engineer, an architect um, and walk them through the shop and, walk them through what the process looks like in real life and all the things that go on behind the scenes that they, they miss and they probably don't realize are costing money and how much money goes into it to the, the little stuff that just seems so unimportant at the time probably and how much it affects because it's, it's the BIMFAB build, right? So everything you touch or don't make a decision on or make the wrong decision on and change whatever it is. It affects so much more than that tunnel vision of just what you think it does. And 
if you could look at that on a screen and see it's not just a couple clicks, right? If you could walk out in the shop and see that it's not just this super cool thing that happens and then shows up on your site, that someone has to create the order, someone has to order the material, the material has to show up, somebody has to organize that build, that someone has to put the people together to do it, right? That has to be packaged and it has to be properly labeled and it has to get back on truck. It has to come, like there's just so many things that I don't think everyone realizes the big picture of and the cost that's associated with it. Cause there's a dollar tied to everything that you do. And I think that gets missed a lot. Uh, I think you're right. Rod Foley talked about it, you know, and, and, and I brought it up to him. I think it would be a great idea. We do a pretty good job of sharing fabrication models and not models, but I mean like your, your buildings and where you're doing it, what those shop floors look like with other contractors, believe it or not, electricals share this a lot and mechanicals share this a lot and people walk each other's shops, but we rarely do go get those engineers and owners and architects and let them feel it because they've always, and, and I think this might be one of our pitfalls is they've always been able to feel it on the job site. Like an owner can just show up or now in our world of COVID, we have reality capture that they can see pictures of it and how it's moving so they can touch it. It's almost like we could start putting 360 cameras in our fab shops and like tagging somebody's item. Like Mr. Owner, that's your item. See, it's being built look, watch, it's just being built out of your purview now. Um, and I think a, an early identifier that not only that it's going on in the shop, but what their decisions, like, I don't know what one might be, but if you could say, Hey, listen, if you, you know, chose this gauge or this piping here, instead of that, this would help us. This is what you could gain from it. Right. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, it was, I don't remember who you, who it was. You said, um, said it earlier and it kind of stuck out to me. You said, don't say difficult conversations, say difficult, productive conversations, because I always say just cause you're busy doesn't mean you're productive and there's a big difference. <laughs> so if you're going to start early and just be busy on a project, them again the amount of time and, and dollars that are tied to that are so mind-numbing you've got to start early and be productive and i think that's part of it if you could take that owner the, the other thing that goes with that if take that owner on that in the shop or on that project and be honest with them and not just show them the the cool this is for you this is about you this is what we're doing for you but say, hey, like this is how the decision on those ceiling heights really affected us. And this is, a, you know, this is what it cost. And this is, you know, days and dollars, you know. And so they could see that part of it, not just walk them and, and head nod and make it about showing off, but make it about being real so that they can really understand where where that's at, where those pitfalls are, honestly. And uh, it was, it was to hear Ali, which I find really interesting. I didn't even think about it, but that's the national electrical contractors association. She's their head of innovation um, and uh, our director of innovation. And that's what she said is, is it's gotta be productive. And I mean, I can't tell you how many of these eye opening experiences I've had where people are just, burning hours 
being busy early on and it leads to a compression up front that prevents us from or or you know we're just burning dollars i mean the, i i forget who it was that i had on or i was talking to recently about like one of the ways they saved money on a project was they figured out that that the architect was sending an intern to the meeting to take notes and they couldn't make a decision and they just said hey like no now we require that the decision maker be at the table and that you know sped up all the decisions early on there's got to be waste like that everywhere yeah yeah and you know that goes back to the just being honest they keep harping on this but there's um there's a project in town and again it's same thing great concept poorly executed everybody's got a great idea right but how do you efficiently execute it and this project's going down a, a road a little different than most and um one of my guys called me and said um, hey what do you think about this like i was out on the site or i talked to somebody and and they said this is going amazing and I, i'm like huh like did they ask in front of the owner <laughs> i feel like that's the only way you'd get that answer um my, my, uh, I give my HR guy here crap all the time. He'd be like, well, I was on that job site and I talked to somebody and he said he loved it. <laughs> like, I bet he did. You're HR. <laughs> like, you have, I would say it was amazing too, even if I hated it. <laughs> like, it's just that inability to really be honest with ourselves and, and, and to the person in front of us, whether it's out of fear of being fired or the fear of not getting the next project. And so I think that's a, a really big piece of it is um, making sure that we're being really open and we're, we're sitting at the table and we're having that productive conversation. Because if not, I, I think we're, we're not, I don't think we're doing any service to the owner if we're not. We're not. And, and, you are you are riding a double-edged sword there, right? Because in some respects, like that HR person, it's like, well, I will love my job. I want to keep my job. I'm, I'm probably not, maybe not going to be as honest with you as I should be. And it's like, well, well, I, 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 lo I love doing electrical work and I want to win more work. So I kind of have to maybe put on a smile. But it's like my kids. If I put on the smile and feed them candy every night, well, they'll be happy, but their teeth will fall out and it's, it's not going to go very well. So there's that, there's that, that balance y'all have to have, which is really difficult. I mean, and sometimes you're not even talking directly to the owner. You're playing the phone game up through someone else. And now in our world, it's sometimes it's through a GC, through a CM to an owner. We, we, we've got to break that down or, or we're not going to get anywhere. And I think you said this pre-show, it's like, we keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different. It's not going to happen. That's the definition of insanity. We got to do something different. I want to move you into something else we talked about a little bit too, is that, you know, some of this blocking and tackling stuff we're dealing with right now is holding us back. I heard early on in, in uh, the first episode, full episode with Sala Eckhart about you guys are worried about blocking tackling and I want opportunities to, you know, recruit kids that are in grade school right now to want to come to my facilities. 
you guys are actually, you know, really thinking about that. And I, I wanted to shift it there. Where are you thinking about that? And where is this blocking and tackling stuff holding us back from maybe progressing? I think understanding the, the times that we live in better, honestly. And um, what's important to me is probably different than what's important to you. And probably what's important to both of us is really different than what's important to an 18-year-old that I peel out of a school. Um, so uh, we all have very different, there, something different drives all of us, right? And I think at Encore, we're very people-centric and trying to get even better at that, especially in today's day and age where we live in a weird post-pandemic world that um, everybody's got some crazy you know, there's been a lot of people that left the tech industry in a time when we need them the most. Um, we're, we don't have as many people coming into the trades and it's getting harder and harder to come by. Encore has an incredible uh, apprenticeship program. And uh, my son's actually in it. He's 17. He started as a summer intern last year. And now this year he'll start um, in the fall uh, as a first year apprentice and he'll go for four years. He'll get a wage increase every six months. Uh, he'll be able to work full time while he's in school, and then he'll be able to graduate and get his journeyman's license, and he will have zero debt. There's very, very, very few things that will provide that for you nowadays. So we have a lot of opportunities like that, and, and a really, like I said, super cool. Maybe I'm partial, but apprenticeship program for that reason, and as Technology is driving so much, um, really kind of recruiting to that and and making it about more than just the stereotypical knuckle dragging uh, construction guy. There's so much more with um, there's a hollow lens and sight vision and 3D modeling and, you know, all the low voltage, cool um, tech that goes into buildings now and smart buildings and there's just so much more to it um, than what it used to be. So using that to kind of leverage a bigger picture of an industry that needs all the help it can get right now, um, getting the right people, whether they're craftsmen or tech driven, how do you um, promote that and get it across to people that it's not just your standard construction job anymore. There's so many opportunities and so much going on and what, Electricity is not going anywhere. No, no, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. actually evolving very, very quickly. And 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 you hit on something is like we're lost checking boxes and doing doing the same old, same old when an opportunity to move the systems that we're building for buildings forward would actually also probably help us in that recruiting in those apprenticeships because then they become more real and a reality for what they're doing. I mean, one of the reasons. I've always said is that we fail is, well, we, we show them those things, we bring them in and then we hand them a clipboard or we ask them to go, you know, send a bunch of emails and here's an Excel sheet. And it's like, oh no, this is not what we wanted to do. We, we need to, we need to stop thinking the old way so that, you know, we can take advantage of it. When you and I were talking about this too, you know, you brought it up we're only involved in this, no matter what trade you are or who you are building it. If you're not the owner, you're only involved for, you know, a small portion of its life. It lives on after you. And, um, 
transferring that knowledge and transferring that information, that's important. But it doesn't happen these days as much as we think. No, I uh, I think it doesn't happen hardly at all. Like It's just something we have not progressed at by a long shot. And it's really frustrating when you ask what my what my frustrations are that's definitely on the list you know we put all this time and effort into this cool stuff and the technology piece and we turn it over and they get a jump drive and it ends up in a a desk drawer somewhere and you know we were only on the project for 18 months but the next hundred years somebody has to manage that building and and keep it you know up to date and now they've got all this stuff and they don't have the hardware to run it. They don't have the knowledge to, you know, manage it. And it's just such a, a waste when there's a bigger picture. And um, the, <laughs> the just long term, we're not taking advantage of the effort that we're putting in in the beginning. And we all drive off into the sunset and they're kind of left on their own to to figure it out. Like we got to get better at the it helping with that life cycle piece of that building. And long-term. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I know we see it um, at least the good news is, is that some of the new modern owners, uh, more advanced technology owners are starting to understand that and bring that, but there's far less of those than there are people who build on a regular basis in places. And those facility management people have come across them. They're running around later banging their head against the wall when the information is sitting in somebody's drawer somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, no, we've got to, we've got to connect this, but we're all too busy working in the project or in all honesty, chasing the next project to really holistically solve the problem and help them get there. Um, and that's where I think the opportunities, especially, I mean, when you talk low voltage, the things I've seen over the last five years in the low voltage world will blow your mind. I'm sure you have seen them all. And it's like, wait, we're still talking about whether or not we should do this. And we're not really talking about this yet. Like I saw the first ever in a Bixie event a couple of years ago, like four or five years ago now, the first hotel room that had no outlets in it. Like this was their idea. There's no outlets. It's all done over low voltage POE drip to everything. Like the ability to, and you know, an outlet with something plugged in all the time is always sucking from the grid, right? These low voltage drippers don't do that, right? They just, they shut off. They know that the battery's charged of whatever it is. And I mean, it was super futuristic at the time and it still might be, you know, you might tell me this or somebody might tell me this, like, Hey, that doesn't quite work as much as you thought it would. But I feel like that's what we should be talking about and not like, should we keep sending emails to one another? Uh, yeah i mean that's my job here so if you were sitting in my seat i always ask this of everybody before i let them go if you're sitting in my seat what kind of people would you have a conversation or where would you go and say hey go flush this out like have that difficult productive conversation because at disjointed that's what i'm here to do is to push and we don't this first season has been fun to get the airing of the grievances but you know we're going to have to you know, eat our own dog food, so to speak, and have some more difficult, productive conversations. Where would you send me? I have to say, and, and I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, so I'm always pushing everything uphill, it seems. But uh, I, I think design teams and owners and 
push them out of the box. And that probably sounds kind of cliche, but it's just everyone gets so tunnel visioned on what they need to provide. They forget what is required to succeed and to make sure that we're, we are all truly working together, not in silos and understanding everyone's perspective. And if I could, like I said, walk people through the shop, I would all day. I would just give tours and I hand out coffee, whatever I needed to do to get them to understand the side effects of the condition that we're in and, and how painful and costly it can be for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I love it because that's uh, the only thing I will challenge there is, is somehow somewhere along the lines, we we began to look at this like a totem pole. I think that might be part of the problem is, is like the trades are at the bottom of the totem pole and somewhere below you is building product manufacturers when it's like, mm, can't we just like chop that thing down, lay it on its side and and look at each other as the important piece that we are sideways together? Because that's technically, in my opinion, the only reason we talk about it as a totem pole is because, well, risk rolls downhill. It's like something else we don't talk about, but you know, it rolls downhill. And that has what's given us this idea of that we are this straight up and down totem pole instead of this horizontal group that has all their strengths, but has to own their weaknesses and lean on the others. And that's the whole trick to this thing is that leaning on the expertise of the others involved in this process it's going to make us stronger. It's going to make us deliver faster. It's going to make us deliver better. Um, and part of that is opening it up and getting everybody to understand their with them and saying, listen, you see how this affects me? Like, it's not that I'm mad at you. It's just that you probably don't know this. So I'm going to show you. So I totally appreciate that. And, um, and we will be going down there. And if it's up to me, we will cut that totem pole down and we'll lay it on its side and we'll have a whole lot of fun. Because as, as, as my other guests have said, this whole adversarial thing can go away. We can have difficult, productive conversations and still enjoy one another and still respect one another for the, the things that we're good at. Yeah, I, I agree. And when you talk about laying all the pieces out of the other, <laughs> if I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, somewhere towards the center of the earth are the facility maintenance guys. And that is so hard for me to, to wrap my brain around because they should be at the table too. And, you know, when you talk about that life cycle and how you get more out of it, it's give me the Navis model and let's label some of the equipment in it and let's teach them how to run it on an iPad. Like this is not a, a costly venture. It's not time consuming. I think it's just being a good steward of the industry and not, like I said, driving off into the sunset, and leaving a jump drive. Like, Let's give them all that information that we did and show them how to use it inexpensively so that they can manage that building. And let's get them involved earlier and bring them to the table to be a part of that productive conversation because we're involved for such a small amount of time in comparison to what they're going to be left with to manage it. Um, I think it's a really another important piece that we just miss. We get so owner focused, we forget about those guys. 
it'd be really nice if the facilities managers were saying, hey, hey, you need to hire Encore on all the rest of our jobs because they did this. <laughs> That's like a, there's a true MPS score for you. Or customer satisfaction is when the, when the facilities team is saying, no, no, go hire them again. That like, yeah, that, that was the better delivery method. So I appreciate that. And Sam, I appreciate you for coming on. Where can people learn a little bit more about you, connect with you, maybe follow what Encore is up to? Probably the best place is social media. Encore has a Facebook page, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Sam Hamilton, Encore Electric. Um, you can connect with me there. And then if you're local, there's a Denver BDC co-op that I manage with some of my other um, counterparts in the industry, general contractors, direct competitors in the industry. And that's kind of where we get into that difficult conversation. Um, that's a group on LinkedIn and we do fun things like drink beer and hang out from time to time. And, and, uh, so feel free to, to join that as well and, uh, jump in and, and be a part of, uh, trying to help this industry get on track. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this season of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. Do you have a show idea or want to lend your voice to the discussion? Then email me at jeff at disjointed.fm. This show is brought to you by Join, the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.